0: Listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Web friendly, repetitive, noisy. In his work, Dan Trampty embraces his digital nativeness, acknowledging what it means to live in a media saturated post internet wasteland. As such, his music resembles the experience of playing a video game or scrolling through a social network feed. For Trampty, mobile social media is in fact his primary platform for composition. 400 plus videos on his Vine feed thoroughly documents nearly all the constituent audio visual composition materials in his notated work and installations since early 2014 works often featuring oddity instruments such as DJ hero controllers, Morse code, straight keys, GoPro cameras, and mobile devices. Zanzadan, the Trampy man. What's up? bro? what's happening? So first of all, um, we should just get out of the way, like we've known each other for a long time, yes, like um,
1: first week of undergrad, right yes, yes, and not only that, i we have a very similar background, yeah, I was like gonna we, get we had the same track <laughs> the basically.
0: exact same track oh yeah. let's go let's go audition for uh marching band, okay, let's play percussion for four years, oh, let's start composing while we're playing percussion for four years, right. Exactly. Let's go get masters and doctorates in composition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh however after taking that very similar track, I I mean it's it's pretty pretty obvious to say we're very different composers, and I'm really yep. excited to get to talk about your music today because it's it's some of my favorite music out there. Oh like i'm 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 not just being your friend and saying that like I really really like um a lot of the pieces you put out there because it's very unlike anything else i mean it's very it's it's yours it's 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 Zan Zidane, the Trampy man's music you know <laughs> wow so, thank you thank you so let's start by uh talking about degradative interference, and this is a piece for uh electric guitar. And, and video, particularly video with sound, right? Yeah, yeah. Whenever, whenever I listen to a piece of yours, I know I'm going to get something I've never heard or never thought I would hear before. So the way you use the guitar in this piece, I mean, I've never heard a guitar piece like this ever, and I love it. it. So can you talk about how,
1: what your approach to writing for the guitar was? Sure. So... When I met Nico in, uh, in Texas, where I did my doctorate, I. And this piece, sorry, this piece was written for Nico Cook, right? Correct. Nico Cook. Uh, so when, when I met him um, and he asked me to write a piece for him, I was, I had trouble at first because what I did at first was I imagined him with a guitar playing it normally, you know, strapped on right. his back. And I just really didn't like that image for some reason. <laughs> I, I, it was either a rock guitarist or maybe a classical guitarist if he did uh, acoustic. But no, he was re- he was asking for an electric guitar piece, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just sort of struggling with that. And I knew that that uh, that image in particular, that image in particular, that
0: like power stance image. Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think the my first solution. <laughs> Part one was to simply just put the guitar on the table. and from there, you know, that sort of kills that image and turns it into something else. And uh, this isn't a novel idea. A lot of people have been uh, writing for tabletop or experimenting with a guitar on the table. I've also been heavily a heavy user of vine. And yeah,
0: um, and and Vine just Vine just took a nosedive, right? Like, oh, oh yes.
1: That we'll we'll get into that. That's okay. That's okay. like why I'm very one of the many reasons why I'm not excited about 2017. But, um, but yes, I've been a heavy user of Vine, and I've also just been sort of living in that world. So I took or I borrowed a guitar, uh, an electric guitar, from a friend. And I just put it on the floor because I knew that that would be the situation the performer would be in, and I just started doing my thing with Vine, um, and I produced I don't know fifty to eighty some odd, I don't know it's an absurd amount of you know six second videos right. and or less and um, and just generated a ton of material and from there. Took it to, the, to Final Cut, mm-hmm. and I was just playing them on loop in the same way that I would loop them on my phone. So I might scroll to a video, and I might watch it, you know, once, and then I might scroll to another video, and I might really particularly like this one, so mm-hmm. I watch it maybe seven times, you know? Right. And so I produced it on, in the video editor in the same way that i probably experience it on my phone Mm -hmm. and then from there I had basically a large-scale work of uh, a fixed video if you will which I then basically wrote the piece with
0: so that I I mean it's almost like uh, like scrolling through your vine videos on your phone is part of the it's part of the compositional process it's part of the like uh, putting the piece together formally
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah, because, I mean, this piece, and actually a lot of your pieces, rely kind of on loops. Mm-hmm. And does that, and I was I was actually going to kind of talk about this later, but since we're talking about it now, um, are loops, like, how did, I, I guess, where did we, where did you get into loops? Because for people that are our age, you can't turn on the radio without hearing a loop of something, yeah. you know? And when, when you get into electronic music, you, you know, you start looking at logic or, I mean, even, even uh, earlier than that, you know, just open GarageBand on your, on your computer and, oh, let's play with loops, you know? So loops have been a big part of everything for a long time. So I'm wondering, was it specifically Vine that got you into using loops compositionally?
1: Looping or my use of loop predates Vine by just a little bit. Uh, I wrote the piece IO. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Yeah, I think so. Um, which is, uses a lot of heavy repetition. I don't know. It's a huge part of our life, like you said, but not only that, I, I felt like so many people that I know were trying to get us as students of composition to avoid repetition yeah. or at least when we do it, To make sure that there's uh, something that changes on the subsequent repetitions. So Mm -hmm. instead of A, 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 it's A, A prime, A double prime or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like once you start (laughs) adding those primes on the A's, then you end up creating a sort of narrative and it's not really about looping anymore or Mm -hmm about this sort of mechanical loop that we experience in social media. And so, yeah, I was interested in it. And then I discovered Vine. And (laughs) then it just went, yeah, it just became part of my life and my work.
0: So with uh, using, I mean, actually using your phone to do all the Vine videos, you're kind of embracing this, like, I guess like a lo-fi um yeah. kind of aesthetic. I mean is that something that you're just interested in or is that just because of the just because you want to use vine?
1: That's a good question. I would say both because I am embracing it for sure cuz I find it interesting, but then again, if our if our devices improve, I'd be happy to use the higher quality, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh but, but it's mobile and I can and it, it's it allows me to make 50 or 80 videos at ease, you know what i'm saying? Yeah. So, um part of it is believe it or not a practical reason, just it's there. I can i can, you know, at any point in time of the day make a vine video. And um but also, yeah, to embrace this sort of lo-fi culture that we're in. I find it very fascinating that this little box i have in my hand is um we're willing to accept to the point that we're totally addicted to it. Totally these, addicted <laughs> these these lo-fi sounds. So so it's not just acceptance. It's we actually love it, I feel like, you know?
0: Yeah. Actually um I was uh, just just the other day I was um I was watching this video. It's kind of been making the rounds on on social media, but it was this big question of like why millennials are so hard to to manage, you know, why they don't do so well in the workplace, and blah 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 blah. But one of the reasons they said was because we come from this, uh, exp- like we have expectations of immediate um, satisfaction. Like you go on your phone, you order something from Amazon, it's here the next day, or it's maybe even the same day, depending on what you know, what city you live in, yeah. something like that. But also, like there's the, he was talking about and you know, I haven't fact checked this, but, and that's the, that's the problem. That's the problem of what we're (laughs) living in right now. It's like, you have to do all your own original research. Otherwise you're just posting, you know, BS all the time, but it seemed like it was legit. Seemed like it. And I, for me, I, I liked what he was saying. Anyway, he said that essentially when we get a text or we get a notification it elicits the same brain chemistry in us that you get when you take a drink, or you smoke a cigarette, or you take drugs. Sure, I mean sure. it's the it, so addictive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, you're right. We are totally addicted to those to those little devices, and I mean, I feel like I'm trying to resist it in as ma- mm-hmm. in as many ways as possible, but it seems like you are just going for it. Like this yeah. is your life. Absolutely. So. So I mean, you're working with Vine. What what are the other like aspects of social media that you, or, or or mobile devices that you work with, just in your general life, but also that make that make its way into your creative work?
1: So I guess, especially now that Vine is going to no longer exist. Well, I,
0: I I was actually reading about it, and uh-huh. it will
1: it will exist. It'll exist as a camera for Twitter exactly yeah Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so and I'm not sure I mean I'm not sure how it's going to be a huge problem for me but I mean maybe it's going to be fine I think one of the reasons why I liked Vine uh, so much is because I could just produce a video it might be junk it might not even end up in a like a large scale piece or anything but and I'll just post it to Vine and there's a community there that that I feel like accepts junky, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> trashy, mm-hmm. trashy videos that it doesn't, it doesn't like have to be super like perfectly produced or anything. I, I feel like now if it's, if Vine is going to be a, just a camera for Twitter, then what is going to end up happening is I'm going to lose the community aspect of it and it's just going to be me post- spamming my twitter feed with vine videos which i'm doing now <laughs> at, like the, over the past few days i've been doing a lot of and i and i hope i'm not going to lose too many twitter followers because of it <laughs> but uh i do think the community was the important thing like revining other people's vines and there's a whole art community like doing really fascinating uh stop motion and other Interesting. I feel like that's one
0: of the problems when you you know take kind of a a small community and then force it into a larger one. It just it just kind of dilutes and you and then it's then it's gone. The whole purpose of it.
1: Sure, sure. It's okay though. I think I'm I'm okay with having to move on to the next thing. I mean, I've already been you know experimenting a lot with Snapchat, and um, nice. and I think I think I'm starting to find some things there. You know especially so,
0: the filters.
1: Yeah, the filters, they're they're very, some of them are really good, yeah. And the lenses, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we play with um, Kate has Snapchat on her phone. She never posts anything. All mm-hmm. she does is sit with Violet and put the filters on and you know, Oh, like, okay. do, the, do oh. the crazy voices and now stuff. Now that's really
1: so. interesting. That's interesting because Snapchat is more of a disposable medium, of course. mm mm-hmm. Mhm that's not about documenting you know Mm -hmm. with vine i i I loved being able to document the the materials that made up my works right you know what i'm saying so not just the post uh documentation like after you know the piece has been performed then you make a big youtube uh video Mm -hmm. and you upload it to youtube uh but no i've i've been interested in the pre-production videos actually and just spamming my vine feed with that so and actually twitter or sorry snapchat is a nice disposable medium that i can spam people and not feel bad about it right (laughs) so i'll be doing that but unfortunately the documentation will not be the same
0: i think that's really interesting though because i was talking with um another composer this is a while ago um and I I have actually brought this up on the podcast several times. His name is Mark Hirsch, and he he and I were talking about this idea that because we live in this in this like social media culture, and because a lot of I think I feel like a lot of composers are just sick of doing the okay, musicians sit on stage and play acoustic music mm-hmm. thing you know a lot of and we want to do different things and you know we want to do things that are maybe like spatially oriented that are really hard to document or that are really long that are 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 also hard to document and stuff like that and he was he was talking about like in his work he does instead of like trying to make a video that documents the the like the live performance or something he'll make a video that tries to capture the essence of what it was like in the live performance, so it's mm-hmm. almost like being an artist, and you're creating a collection of works mm-hmm. that they all like. This is this is meant to be performed live. This is meant to be experienced online. This is meant mm-hmm. to be read or something like that, you know. And I thought that was really interesting, and it seems like that's what you're kind of going for. Like we see we see the pre production materials, we see the live performance, we see the video on YouTube or or whatever and i and i think that all of the this like collection of material that makes up an idea but each are their own separate thing is that is that kind of what you're going for
1: yeah absolutely and uh i i think it's if music has to be something where that always ends up on a stage and always ends up like video just video documented from afar then that's quite a small box for you know for the way we consume it and it's also not very accurate of the way a lot of for example especially millennials but yeah for most people nowadays who are consuming most of their most of the music on their headphones and their laptops or their phones yeah yeah so. i mean yeah we just don't
0: uh, like uh, so many so many pieces that you know you you see on youtube uh, oh i just posted my new uh my new video or whatever and it's like a camera that's a hundred you know like a hundred feet away or something they're using the microphone of that camera so you hear more of the person sneezing next to the camera than you do of the music it's one it's one angle and it's just like wow this is boring this makes me not want to watch this and not care about your music so i think there's I I think in a way of, of creating like using the medium for what the medium is good for instead of just using it as a documentation tool is great. And I think that's what you're doing. You're documenting, but you're also using that material in your piece and that material has value as material by itself. Mm -hmm. And it has value when you put it all together in the piece. Right, right. Exactly. So. So now that we've talked a bunch about it, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to hear a recording of degradative interference, and we are going to listen to uh, Nico Kook. And uh, this, this also I mean, this piece also has video, so um, where can people, f- uh, if they're interested, go see the video?:
1: uh, They could go to my YouTube channel <laughs> uh, which I don't know how to it's the Tramped.
0: Da tramped. Da tramped. D A T R A M T.
1: Or go to the Google and type in Dan Trampty, degradative the, interference.
0: The Googs. Go to the, the Googles.
1: Googles. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, so let's talk about your piece Helmut. And did I say that right? Damn it! <laughs> uh,
1: that that that's fine. Helmut. It's a little more of a
0: oot. Helmut. It's a it's a oot. Okay. Yeah. Helmut and Teddy coming down after a rave. Such a good title. This was written for Wild Rumpus, and the instruments that we're going to hear are bowed styrofoam, trombone, violin, cello, and electric guitar. And this piece also has a video in it. So if we were watching this, what would we be seeing in the video?
1: We would be seeing a row of musicians standing, sitting on stage. Some of them are turned with the back facing their audience. the audience. And yeah, just a weird sort of setup. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're in the setup because what I wanted to sort of... Focus on are, base- basically just the simple lateral gestures that they create. So with a uh, bow styrofoam, it's the the x axis of the bow of the styrofoam moving left and right uh, mm-hmm. across the bow. With the trombone uh, facing to the side, you see the as as he or the trombonist um slides you see that it goes across the x-axis uh of your uh of what you're looking at uh and the same thing with the violin violinist doing uh vertical bow or perpendicular bowing and the cellist doing uh, ordinary bow Mm -hmm. and the guitarist also like degraded of interference sliding with the guitar on the tabletop. Mm -hmm. So, and on each of these instruments, there is a little led attached that highlights this, um, this X axis lateral movement. The light also serves a second purpose, which is to sort of create the illusion that it's a camera and that it's, uh, and what you're seeing on the screen is sort of a view from the camera uh, of each instrument. Okay. Okay. Now... But but it's not. It's not. But it's not. Correct. (laughs) So, uh, basically, this is another case where I spent many hours with my phone making Vine videos. Um, But in this case, I had sort of thought ahead knowing that... I wanted this, this stage, the staging. And so, for example, the, um, all the footage that I took was from the perspective of, so my phone was actually the, the. It's a little hard to describe. Sorry. Well,
0: you, I, I think what you're saying is that your phone is in the perspective that we're seeing on the, like where the light is on the instrument. We would assume where the that's the viewing angle of the camera, and that's what's being projected
1: on screen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and with the case of the trombone, uh, I actually had to have the uh, trombonist Weston Olenki to do to make the. Or to record the footage for me because um, the funny thing about that is that it's sort of in selfie configuration. So you, Is it on the end of the slide? Yeah, it's on the end of the slide. Okay. And so as he slides in and out, his face uh, increases in size, <laughs> you know. So he's basically dollying in and outwards from, from his face.
0: Does that mean that when you have another group of musicians do this, you'll
1: have to redo the trombone video? Yes, it does unfortunately mean that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it won't be too bad. I, I think I'll just keep the same sounds from the prior and just mm-hmm. uh or from the prior recording and just uh add video. It it won't I it's annoying, but it it's definitely doable.
0: I guess that means that for this piece in particular you were again starting from a visual like a visual way to treat the instruments yes okay is that is that something that you you tend to go go off of with uh with your other pieces is it you you're and actually before we started you were you were saying that you know there are very few activities you engage in that don't have some sort of visual input so yeah. is that meaning that you you're
1: primarily a visual person. Uh, well maybe primarily, but definitely I, I see them as sort of equals in a way. I mean, our, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to wait or place weight on one of, one or the other, but I'm, I mean, it, it all, it comes back again to this idea of social media. So uh, we, I, I spend so many hours scrolling through feeds, um, and I assume you do, and so ma- <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Uh, See, this is what I was
0: saying. Like you're embracing it, and I'm trying to get away from it, but I'm right, failing.
1: Right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and so much of that that activity is visual, and and so much of it is also aural. So, um, and yeah, it's just a, a a matter of embracing it, really. Because I I feel like, as you said before, we our brains are definitely wired differently right now mm-hmm. with social media yeah. and we um like one instance where you know we see somebody posted a new track the next instance and i mean instance not like minutes later we are really angry at one of our you know high school acquaintances for saying something super offensive politically right and, and so like our brains are sort of jumping super fast and super far. And I think a lot, I think most people would agree that our attention spans are, are shrinking, yeah. but not totally because we're still willing to uh, binge watch an episode of breaking bad or binge watch a season, like 20, yeah. a season of, of breaking bad or whatever. And right. that like, it's no big deal. It's not that we our attentions are shortening, it's that we're actually able to bounce around better, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean like we're we're better able to multitask, but also I think like, you know, being able to binge watch a season, you you have like the attention span for a group of activities, but your attention span for a single activity shortens. Yeah, exactly. You know, You're not going to go, you will spend four hours watching 20, 21, 25 different episodes of, of a TV show where they're all different stories. You know, you're, you're being taken different places, but at the same time, you're not going to go watch an opera that is one story for four hours.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think some people will, (laughs) No, of course, some people will, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um. I just want to make the point, I guess, that it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of sad, but in a way, it's also pretty amazing what we're able to do to get so invested in into something, and then to jump to something else and get so invested into that. And right. um, and I feel like I am. I suppose I'm trying to tap into that a little bit with fast changing like something repeats for seventeen times, mm-hmm. and then it just cuts to the next thing, and it gets super obsessed with that thing so well, that was actually
0: um, something that I was going to ask you about is like how should we how should we hear this piece or I mean and really any of the pieces we're talking about today, how should we hear this like in terms of formal organization, and I think you just hit on it is that we should try uh, like, it's almost like you're, you're trying to come in through the back door of our brains or something, Mm -hmm. you know, Yeah, trying to tap into the way, the way that we experience life right now. And if you make a music like that, then it should, you know, we should just understand it. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to do some sort of psychological magic trick uh, Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, but, I feel like I'm just sort of, I think it's mo- It's a little more accurate to maybe think of it as, like I described before, where this is sort of what I like. I like watching this video, this video on so much that I'm willing to do it 17 times. And then I'm willing to just, and I like having to, okay, I'm done with that. And then mm-hmm. go to the next thing and just be super obsessed with that. So that's, sort of my formal it's a i feel like it's actually a pretty natural formal approach just like i do this until i because i like it and then i don't like it anymore and then i go to the <laughs> next thing uh <laughs> right it's, but when it's you, a very I mean... amateur one too i feel like <laughs> but uh but then again probably my music probably is a little immature <laughs> okay
0: whatever but i mean i i was trying to you know uh think about it in terms of like it's it's kind of like moment ish form yeah yeah yeah, something like that but you're you're talking about how it's like a very natural way of experiencing the world however when we sit down to listen to one of these pieces it's not like experiencing music as we if you've been educated in music, it's not like experiencing music the way we've been taught to experience music. Mm-hmm. There is no story we're following, there is no right. uh trajectory like even even just sonic trajectory. I don't feel like there's you know this somehow leads to this, and then we go to this, and then we're on right. a path, you know like it really is being in the moment, and yeah. the, like you say, the loops don't change we're not, we're not getting some narrative here. So that's kind of what I'm wondering about is, you know, since it's not a music that conforms to the way we have been taught to listen to music, Mm -hmm. how, what kind of feedback are you getting from audience members or or performers, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that it's not the type of music that we've been taught to do or taught to or like think Mm -hmm. about and listen to uh because i feel like maybe certain types of percussion music or popular music uh is actually more like this than uh
0: oh i totally agree yeah Yeah. yeah. so i I think i think it's that way but you're also putting it into you're putting it into a genre or or like a like the the situation that a lot of your music is played in is not the situation of all those other things. That's
1: true, that's true. Things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't... The feedback has been, yeah, certainly mixed. <laughs> and some, uh, <laughs> as, some people... As all new pieces are, right? <laughs> right, right. And I do think there are, there's certainly generation, it, it has to do with generation, and it has to do with, yeah, I guess there are plenty of composers who feel that it's not serious and there are plenty of composers who are excited about it, I think. And um Well I'm I uh,
0: mean, I definitely fall into the, the camp of composers who is exci- who are excited about it because I always get excited about things that they feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, when you listen to them. And I think right. your music falls into that camp of it feels good temporally. And like, <clears throat> I always thought that um John Cage, Zanakis, when you listen to their, when you listen to their music where time I- isn't necessarily just being controlled by, you know, just their intuitive sense of, oh, this should, you know, last for this long. It's it's like they give up their intuition and and yeah. let something else take control. And that feels different than human intuition. Like I get mm. it, I, I kind of get that with a lot of new composition and even old composition, you know, we have we've been taught that this is what feels good in relation to what human intuition has told us to do compositionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you don't have that and you get this new feeling. Oh, that's, that's really nice. So listening to something for 17 times in a row, that's like, well, that's not a phrase of eight or four. That's weird. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. So like, yeah, that's, that's why I'm excited about the, your music in, in just in terms of just temporally. Yeah. The other thing that I really have, uh, really been appreciating about your music specifically when you use electronics, but even when it's, you know, even when it's just purely acoustic, is the fact that you're generally using short, dry sounds. Yeah. Which, if you've gone to Seamus or ICMC (laughs) recently, isn't what anyone else is doing. (laughs) I, yeah,
1: I, well, yeah, like you said, (laughs) there's, certainly too much sometimes has a lot of reverb or it's it has a sound for sure yeah and it's it's interesting because i think it's in a way an informed sound uh a lot of technologists that are have really strong opinions of how you're supposed to um produce uh an electron electronic track right right and 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 they Sound amazing, in a sense, because of that. Uh, But also, it limits, for sure, a lot of other possibilities, like super dry, super... Well, anything that comes out of this phone, (laughs) uh, pretty much. So... So, yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm abandoning a lot of like abandoning these rules with repetition and <laughs> with audio quality. And and I don't know. And it felt it just felt natural, though, when I mm-hmm. when I started doing it, mm-hmm. when I started getting on my hands and knees and like recording things with my phone. It's really. In a way, I wasn't thinking about these things. But I was just trying to generate material and I kept I, and I hit a ton of duds with my phone, and I also found some amazing gems, and those, yeah, that's pretty much.
0: And it seems like, um, I don't know, this is something I was going to ask you, is that, you know, when you're generating this material, it really is coming from a hands-on approach. Yes. You know, it's Absolutely. not, it's not some concept that you're trying to realize, but rather... Let's get into the kitchen. Let's start making something. Right. Yes.
1: And the, the same uh, applies to the instrumental writing as well. Right. I actually, uh, even having composed as long as I have, I feel like I can't compose without having the instrument at all. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if, 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 if it's not in my hands, then I feel like, yeah, I can write that down and just assume I know what it sounds like, which I have a good idea, but it's not exactly what. Um, I imagine it's going to be. right. So it's really important for me to... And I do this in the third piece that I think we're going to talk about. I I don't play saxophone at all, but I rented one for about a year and I recorded myself doing various things. And none of that ends up as Vine videos. Um, but it, it was really important for me to document that so mm-hmm. that I know what to write <laughs> uh, yeah. later on. So... So we're going to listen to
0: Helmut. <laughs> I'm never going to say it right. Um, Helmut and Teddy coming down after a rave. And this is Wild Rumpus performing it, right?
1: Yes.
2: All mm-hmm. right.
0: talk about grind sure <laughs> and the score and the score for grind is very very meticulous i feel like yeah. you know the saxophone part it's you almost it's you created a tablature yeah for a saxophone yeah. right and it's based on the the um the fingering that they have to go through correct and and it's i mean it's almost you don't actually show pitches right
1: i do sometimes sometimes uh, for a majority there uh, you're right that there's that there's no pitches like written out mm-hmm. um in part because it's actually really hard to transcribe those pitches like if I were to do that it'd be just like some strange multiphonics and right. like a bit of noise like <laughs> how do i yeah how, yeah, how exactly like, noise leaking out of the side how do i transcribe that as like notes, note heads, you know what I'm saying?
0: Right. So the, the sounds you were looking for really necessitated the, a different style of notation.
1: Right, right.
0: And you were kind of talking earlier about the, the, I guess the research you did. I mean, all of these sounds come from you sitting with the saxophone, is that right?
1: Yeah, most of them, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh-huh. so I can't play a chromatic scale on the saxophone, but I can just sit with the multiphonics like multiphonics chart and just just do honk, it. honk all those out. Uh, and those I find much more easier than playing a, like any <laughs> diatonic scale or anything.. <laughs> right. uh, so yeah, what I would do is I, I'd sit there, I'd have my phone pointing at me close, close up to the fingers so I could see exactly which ones that I'm uh, using and i would you know do some sort of some improvisation some of it is like i worked it out and then i recorded it later i had that documentation that i could refer to and i could uh simply notate exactly what i did mm-hmm. <laughs> with my fingers and with my mouth without caring about well i care about what it sounds like cuz that's how i je- like discovered those right, those yeah. things but but uh, when uh, at the notation process uh, point, that's where right. I sort of like stop worrying about that.
0: Uh huh. And this was written for the Patchwork Duo, which is Noah Evan and Stephen Klunk, right?
1: Correct. Correct. And, and have Steven... you met them? Oh yeah. Well, oh, you, we you went... know Stephen? I know you. Yeah, know we went Steven. to school with Stephen. Do you know Noah though? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I've met I've met her a few times. Okay, and uh, she played. I'm I was back for the 2012 BG New Music Festival. Ah uh, yes, yes yeah and she played a piece by one of our um one of our collective members, John Sokol for uh Barry Sachs and tuba, and it blew me away,
1: oh yeah yeah like, she's amazing,
0: yeah, I mean not only not only the composition of it but her playing it. it was just so like the piece is kind of like it murmurs and it whispers, and it's so delicate. And it's coming out of these two humongous, you know, unwieldy instruments. Mm -hmm. It it was very, very impressive. Yeah. So, so yeah, I've known, I've known Noah since, since then.
1: Cool. Cool. And she, uh, I can't believe that they managed to play this thing the, like, (laughs) as well as I have. I mean, the percussion part, uh, we know. Because we're percussionists. Yeah. I can say that I can't play that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want
0: I I looked at it, I was like, geez, I, I wouldn't yeah. even want to attempt this. Yeah. And and then he's also controlling the electronics.
1: He is controlling the electronics. And I remember getting um uh texts and stuff from him where he grafts every single like moment of mm-hmm. like Sometimes I just have like, uh, what's like an electric, electroacoustic sweep where you go like like, faders, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, it's just like a wave. Yeah. It's just a wave. Yeah, exactly. So, um, or a diffusion sweep, I should call it and, um, or wave or whatever. I, when I like originally planned that out, I was just like, oh yeah, I hope he just looks at that and goes, Right. Makes a little wave motion. But no, he's like on this sixteenth note, my pinky's in this position, my <laughs> Oh my uh God. this finger's in this thing- <laughs> yeah, so he like had a huge graph and I had to stop him and say, Whoa, <laughs> hold on, hold on.
0: It is not that <laughs> critical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's
1: but funny. uh but like the way they he practices and she practices, I mean it's it's amazing how like spot on all the rhythms are and mm-hmm. everything so yeah
0: How did you come to music and with you specifically composition as something you wanted to pursue for the rest of your life?
1: Oh, music composition. Because I sure,
0: mean sorry. like like we said, you know, we both we both started into music as percussionists and I think at the time I both think we thought we would remain percussionists for the rest of yeah, our lives yeah. and then something else happened, so
1: I don't know where the tipping point is but i could say when uh, around that time period i was also teaching a lot of drumline and one of the things that i found that i had to do a lot of the time was enhance the drum parts which were usually uh not really well written yeah <laughs> to put lightly <laughs> and then um so it was a perfect compositional task because basically the entire structure is there, right? The The song is the same song and the hits have to be in the same spot. You know, I can't really adjust those things, but everything in between I could tweak and make more idiomatic or more modern or whatever, using modern rudiments and stuff like this. And I loved doing that, you know, it, and it felt like it's less stressful than performance, <laughs> Yeah, which which was a a big thing. It wasn't at first. Like I was pretty but like when when I during my senior year and all this I was getting obsessed and like there was points where I was like I need to have exactly 8 hours of sleep or else I won't be able to hit every single note that I mm-hmm. did uh, twice in the practice room. You know what I'm saying? And th- there's just like if I didn't have my coffee at a certain time, then I won't be able to hit those notes either. So I just got so obsessed with all that and it was super stressful and I loved the writing it down ahead of time and just sitting back and watching, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's way easier.
1: It's, it's so that it was almost just like i I'm running away from the stress of performance Mm -hmm. Uh, and i also sort of found something that felt really good you know
0: yeah man so uh before we go since you are the social media guru here where can everyone find you oh on all uh, all the various platforms on
1: all the various so if you okay so it's the Tramped is my handle it's my handle that uh You'll, you'll see on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, on Snapchat, uh, on Vine if you, if you go really fast before it uh, closes down. Yeah. Um, and YouTube. So D A T R A M T. And then your website? Yes, www.dantrampty.com.
0: Dan Trampty, not de Trampt.
1: Correct. Correct. Okay. Dan Trampty full name for that a l- little more formal, yeah
0: yeah a little more <laughs> formal, formal for the website <laughs> exactly. and then and then on on youtube you can follow score follower
1: score follower
0: and is that on twitter as well
1: uh yeah so it's score follower there's actually three youtube channels that we were managing score follower Insipitify, and mediated scores
0: Insipizify. That's a hard thing to say. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about Adjective New Music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.